Hello and welcome to episode 11 of what we're listening to. My name is Josh and with me as always is my good friend Asher. How are you buddy? I'm good bro. I have a little quiz for you at the start of this. Hopefully it is less impossible than other ones but you know I don't know. (laughs) Um, I've been listening to a lot of Sun Lux as you know and so I thought I would pull out something just a little bit on point with that. Um, Sure. Sun Lux released uh, a song which they became famous for called Easy in 2014. Um, This song was then covered by another musician and then Sun Lux and this musician did a version of this song. Mm. Do you know who that other musician was? I I don't. It's going to be somebody artsy. Not totally. Can I give you a country as a hint? Sure. New Zealand. New Zealand. It's like there's like three bands that I know from New Zealand. Um it's a it's female not Kimbra, from New is Zealand. it? It's not Kimbra, though they are I think they've toured together. <sighs> Damn it. Well it's not Flight of the Concord, so that's kind of my New Zealand uh... <laughs> It's a female. <laughs> um all right, bubo. It was Lord. Uh, oh, okay, of so um I forgot yeah. about Lord. It's fine. I'm not a big Lord fan, um, but I saw this, uh, someone mentioned it recently on the Reddit AMA they had, and um, apparently Lord has been a fan of theirs since she was like nine, and oh. then she covered Easy at one of her gigs um, one time, and then they got in contact, and then she recorded a vocal, and then they did a remix of the song Easy, but with Lord singing, and so you can find, that was in, um, oh, so lanterns which had the original song on it came out in 2013 and then the collab came out in 2014 it's not my favorite sunluck song but it has earned them a bit of acclaim and it's actually been sampled by various other hip-hop artists too um it's got a cool kind of sampled section in it which is quite beautiful but it just doesn't really go anywhere which is why it's not one of my favorites do you know it very well I do not, and I'm also disappointed that I've forgotten entirely about the person who looks like Lord Voldemort from New Zealand, so it's... Uh... <laughs> That's okay. I watched a clip of her performing last night. She's pretty great. I've never really got into her stuff. Um, yeah. But, yeah, she's a brilliant singer-songwriter. So, anyway. She also, sorry? She also has a number of uh, Bonnie Vare covers, live Bonnie Vare covers that she does. Ah, what songs? I know she does Heavenly Father. I've seen that one. All right, cool. Um, any catch up from last time? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, so you are right. Fontaine's DC's new album is very beautiful. Um, yeah. I listened to the tracks that you put on the playlist, and they were they were gorgeous. I expected them to be more hard, like more like raw. Um, yeah. But even that song, no, that you quoted lyrics from, is really beautiful. I. I wasn't expecting it to kind of be so lush um, instrumentally. So I just gave them one one pass. But, um, yeah, I love his accent. I love, you know, it kind of reminds <laughs> me a little bit of Elbow, but um, it, only in his voice. But, yeah, it was great. So I listened to those. Um, Elliot Brood is pretty great too. I listened to that track. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> as always, my mum is like, Elliot Brood, amazing. And, like, went through his entire discography and grabbed some stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah. so she enjoyed him too. Um, and I loved Phaser Days. That was really cool. The like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know much dream pop apart from like always and, and that sort of thing. Um, but I should look into Phaser Days because I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I need to, like, that was just a little thing I found the other day, but I actually need to look into it a little more myself too. Mm. Um, Do you have any follow-up? I I watched a Lancum concert online. Mm. So there's because of the, you know, global pandemic thing we're currently in, bands have been putting um, concert performances online for a ticket price and you can kind of pay to watch the show. Um, and I'm, I missed the Nick Cave one he did maybe a month and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm kind of sad about because it actually, uh, from everything I read about it, it was really brilliant. And so I thought, I'll okay, I'll give Lankham a go and watch their concert. It was really interesting. Um, 
so it's kind of an it was kind of an art piece um about the theater they were playing in which is the abbey theater and it's this old building with all these like old nooks and crannies and you know big velvet curtains and whatnot um Mm. and there's this kind of like cynical line in Lancome's music. Like they make like traditional songs that have like kind of a bite to them and often are commentary on life in Ireland itself and how it's not always that great kind of thing. Mm. Um, or put a, put a darker spin on older traditional Irish tunes. And this kind of, uh, this concert was much more of an expression of that. I think it was um, kind of Would like taking paid? that. Sorry. No, well, would it be fair to say that they are kind of like punk folk? They kind of have that rebellious side to them, but it's just done in a different genre. Yeah, that sensibility, or more like, you know, um, old Woody Guthrie or, um, I forgot his name, but like old, some old folk musicians Mm. had like revolutionary, like hints to them, right? Like, yeah. This land is your land. This land is my land. Is kind of uh, an old folk song, but has mm. an anti-establishment, anti-government kind of twinge to it. And I think that that kind of comes out in their music, and it came out a lot more in this concert as well. Hmm. I haven't yet watched it. I know you warned me about it, and then I wasn't able to to attend it. Um, but I will try and watch it at some point to yeah, give it a give it a go. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of all the catch by had. That's my week. Shall we head on to the reviews? Yeah, let's do it. So, what have you been listening to? Yeah, so there's been a number of releases this week that were quite large, and I wanted to do uh, the new Bridays album, but I need more time with that. Yeah, um, yeah. a day I've listened. I have listened to it once or twice through and I decided that I needed more time with it basically. Um, So I will talk about something else that I've been listening to, which is an album called uh, the dinner party. Um, This is like a four way collaboration um, between some big names in the hip hop uh, jazz soul industry right now. Mm. Um, So it's uh, four guys, Terrence Martin, Sorry, Terrace Martin, Robert Glasper, Ninth Wonder, and Kamasi Washington. Um, I don't know any of those people. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so these are a bunch of guys, and a lot of them are actually old buds from high school. That's but cool. This is the first time they've made this kind of stuff together, and it's um, it's pretty small. It's a seven song, twenty twenty five minute um, EP album. And it's kind of a blending of all their genres. So lots of um, lots of lush pianos and saxophone runs with like hip hop samplings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's probably, I'd say it's a little short. Um, Is it meant to be an I th- album? I I don't really know. There's no real comment on that, but sure. I would, I would say not. This is more like a for fun project, maybe. Mm. Um, and because of that, I think it's it lacks a bit of depth for me. Um, uh, the whole thing is pretty uh, has pretty solidly one palette of musical styles that they draw from, or musical sounds that they draw from. Sorry, I should say. Um, and it's really well produced, but it's a little bit over compressed, in my opinion. And there's no. There's no bass, or there is very limited bass in it. Really? I, yeah. That's I would have loved if there was like a bass player as a part of this group. I think it would have driven the whole thing to a higher level. Did they substitute just having a really big kick? You know, sometimes they rely more upon the kick and other things to kind of compensate for that, or even yeah. And I think parts. I have some some low end keyboard as well. Yeah. Um, right. Mm. Uh, but I, I, I like that, that was kind of my first impression a couple of weeks ago and I have found myself coming back to it more and more maybe hoping to find some more depth in it as I listen to it and people have loved it and some of the songs on it are really good like the ones that you know click click really well 
Hmm. Um, and it's it's uh this is kind of one of those things where like you hear that these people are working together. You're like, okay, well, I have to at least like listen to it because these are like as big a names as they are having a go together. Let's see what they put together kind of thing. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's this weird kind of like, honestly, it reminded me a lot of um, the uh, old Nujibe stuff that I gave you a while ago, like the kind yeah. of Japanese, like hip hop with jazz roots. Um. Only in this case, it's being live sampled instead of uh, cut sampled, mm. like Ninja Bass used to do. Um, yeah, and it's it's I don't know it's it's a really enjoyable project, and it kind of it's really comforting, and I guess friendly is the word. Like it's the kind of sensation you get when you go to like a dinner party, and like your buddies are there. That's the kind of emotion I get across from this. Like these guys. They wanted to work together, so they're having fun in the studio, making this stuff together. And it's kind of lighthearted in that way. It's hmm. not like it's not anything to read too deep into. Um, yeah, yeah. But um, I would have loved a bass player, and maybe hmm. a little more dynamic in the in the mix of the album itself. But it's a it's, it's a strong project, like a six or seven out of ten. I loved it. Cool, it's fair. Yeah, nice don't have much to offer on that front um but yeah <laughs> stick the stick the songs in the playlist and i'll give it a go yeah for sure i do love some bass though so i i would be a bit sad yeah i, was, I would i was <laughs> yeah surprised that there wasn't as prominent a, especially in such a jazz rooted thing there wasn't such a bass but anyway i i guess that like really good bass lines lend themselves more towards funk um I mean, there is obviously great bass lines in jazz, but I don't know much about like in hip hop. It's usually kind of repetitive licks and that sort of thing. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Um, all right. How about yourself, sir? What have you been listening to? Oh, well, I think you know what I've been listening to, but um, I have <laughs> been delving into um, an album by Sun Lux, which has just come out called Tomorrow's One. Um, so... Uh, if you don't know who Sunlux are, they are a trio from the States, um, three musicians in their own right, Ryan Lott, um, uh, Ian Chang, and oh, Rafiq Batia. Um, and so they're yeah, a keyboardist. Ryan plays keyboards and sings and samples and that sort of thing. Ian Chang is the drummer slash also plays samples with pads and stuff and Rafiq is the guitarist and it's really uh they're really dynamic trio um I think on Bandcamp they they call themselves genreless and that would be fair in that sometimes it's really hard to pick what style they're playing because there's a lot of different Mm. things in there so Sunlux have been around for a while as I said in the intro I can't remember when their first album was but um yeah they've been doing music for a long time um it seems like it seems like earlier on, Ryan Lott, the lead singer, was kind of the main sort of um, instrumentalist, I think, of the band. But lately, it feels more and more like a band than it, than it is like a solo project. And Ryan does put out his own solo stuff. Um, so, uh, I th- so, more just about general Sunlux, I feel like I listen to a lot of... I suppose music that is not mainstream, but you know, common within a certain enjoyment of genres. However, sometimes you feel like when you listen to music which is less mainstream, you kind of lose out in the production values because you're not in these really big, expensive recording studios and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah However, yeah. I feel like Sunlux do not compromise at all on that area as well. Like I feel like they have left out in neither kind of original songwriting and great instrumentation and production. Um, when this album came out, I was like, all right, I am not listening at, to it until I've gotten home to wear my really nice headphones because <laughs> I know that they're going to put into it all the details which will reward close listening, and I was not disappointed. So this this album, Tomorrow's One, is a real feast to the ears. Like even the opening track um, it has these flutters and like soundscape sounds. 
I just had to stop what I was doing completely and just enjoy the first part. And at every point I was like, oh my goodness, the, you know, those, the high flutters and synths and then the low, deep bass lines and drums. In comparison, this, to what you were just talking about, this album has great bass, even though they don't have a bass player. They mm. um, usually either have stuff played by Ryan, like on his keyboards, or uh, in this case, I think they got a double bass player in into the studio for oh, a few okay. things. So it's got it's got some woody, jazzy stuff right in the middle, and it's got these fantastic bass lines. Um, sometimes also, uh, Rafik drops his guitar like a few octaves um, digitally and plays like these heavy bass lines. Um, that's on a track called, that's on an older album from Bones called You Don't Know Me, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, Sunlux, I feel like, I feel like they don't compromise. Like they try, they don't, they're not satisfied with mediocrity. They're really, really trying to push like every inch of the albums that they write to kind of be mind blowing um, sonically. And in their opinion, like, the way they write music, they're trying to do the best. I know that some people don't really like it. Um, I'm surprised at how little of, well, as in, um, I'm surprised at how little their follow, how small their following is sometimes. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly, but it seems to me like not a lot of people know who Sunlux are, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Again, I'm in my own little bubble and I don't understand the pop music world, but I, I mean, yeah. you introduced them to me years ago. I'd never oh, heard right. of them before. You showed me that music video of theirs. Right. And I found that through a blog. So, um, yeah, I didn't come across it because anyone showed it to me either. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe they're just, they don't really write pop songs, though. They don't write very accessible music. It is quite tricky to get into because... <laughs> Um, it's so vast and often the themes are really heavy. I think I've heard people say that they sometimes are put off by the fact that like, it's really apocalyptic sometimes. Um, mm. anyway, just a, a bit about this album. I, f this album, interestingly, like what you just listened to is probably more of an EP than it is an album. Um, oh, so okay. it's a three part album. This is number one of three parts, which is coming out. And there's actually only five tracks and then the other five are introductions to the tracks. So there's like musical interludes between each main song. Um, okay. And they're really beautiful, but they're not like a song per se. They're kind of like an appendix or a precursor to the song. And um, so I felt a little bit like, um, so I was imagining it was going to be something like Brighter Wounds, which had, their previous album, which was kind of jam packed with like incredible songs. And this, I feel like I was waiting for each main song. I did it. Mm. Of course, like, I don't want to, you know, say the, these other tracks aren't songs. I mean, like I enjoy doing that too, having an instrumental prelude to something else. However, it felt like the five main tracks were brilliant and I would have, I'm looking forward to the other parts of the album where I can hear more content like that. <laughs> If that makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah. You, this was a really interesting album because there was a lot of like Rafiq pulled out like some jazzy solos. Like there was a solo on one of the songs oh. and uh, it was it was kind of it caught me off guard because I wasn't used to them going and almost acknowledging that they're a band kind of thing because usually Sunlux are kind of like art pieces and the songs, yeah, are kind of like paintings. But this was kind of like, yeah, we're a band, we're jamming and, you know, this sort of thing. So I thought that was cool. It, it, the middle of the album did dip in my attention a little bit. Um, I think it was around the song only. But apart from that, it was an incredible ride from start to finish. Um, this, this, uh, was it the single um, called Plans We Made is excellent. Um, uh the last two tracks, the main songs, Last Light and Undertow, are just fantastic. I mean, 
like I said, they have such great attention to detail. And there's like um, some more prepared piano in one of them in Last Light and kind of fan, like really interesting um, use of percussion on undertow. Like there's this really interesting part where Ian's kind of just letting, I don't know whether he's like just letting a stick kind of drop on his snare drum and then tighten it really quick but they synced it up with the synthesizers and with the time signature as well. So that like if the snare drum drop goes for longer, they kind of add a few beats to their bar before hitting the next hit. And it's kind of like <laughs> crazy stuff going on musically. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's really, it's really fantastic. I guess compared to Bones and um, Brighter Wounds, I feel like it's not as strong a release. Um but it is, huh. it's amazing. So, yeah. Have you listened to it all? Did you get to hear Plans We Made? I have, uh, I listened to the single, mm. um, which I, I, I would have liked if it was a bit more, upbeat's the wrong word, aggressive maybe. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it was a slow burner. Um, I know enough of Sunlux to expect really nothing when I listen to something else by them. Um, cause they just kind of shift so quickly. Yeah. Um, but f- I-, I love them the most when they're being like extremely rhythmically complicated and mm. are somehow making a song out of it. Um, well, you should listen to last light because, okay. um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Ian is playing a cajon in that song. <laughs> And but they do it in such a tight and like incredible way. It just yeah, it's like and it's panned beautifully. It's not really even like a drum part. It's kind of like yeah. I mean, maybe that's not your kind of thing either. I don't know. Like <laughs> like I remember um, the song "The Fool You Need." I think yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it has those horn hits in it, and I was like looking it up online to see like, did they have a horn section? And no, it was just the drummer hitting pads while also drumming. And I was yeah, like, does he have a third arm that I'm just not seeing when he's drumming? Because it's so complicated and so impressive. And um, th- thank you for reminding me. So last episode, I forgot to mention, I also listened to their EP called Labor, which has three live tracks on it. And you can okay. watch those live tracks. And I think you probably did. Is it the Lincoln Theater? Did you see those? Yes, it's like the big blue one, and there's nobody in the in the in the audience. No, no, that's a that was the um, pitchfork one, but um, oh, yeah. that's great too. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. He, I don't know how the drummer is able to do <laughs> he, these. His beats fall like seem like they're falling apart sometimes, like yeah. that he's falling over himself to kind of get these parts out, and they're sometimes in the wrong spot, and yet it's all still holding together. Yeah, it's there's, yeah. You know what? If you're looking for more new Sunlux with like amazing drum parts, I, I was doing a lot of listening. There's an EP called <laughs> Yesterday's Wake, um, which is kind of almost part of Brighter Wounds. Um, and there's a song called Delivery on there. I think you should check that out. So okay. I'll put that in the show notes and on the playlist. It's yeah, I was I was dying for this new album to come out, and so I was kind of listening to anything I could get, um, and like snapping up a few more EPs that I hadn't got yet. And um, yeah, I I can't recommend them enough. But you also have to be you also have downtimes with Sunlux. Like they are really intense, and the whole new album is like a, almost a lamentation on like everything that's going on at the moment. Um, everything from the pandemic to like racism to, you know, all sorts of things. And, and so it's pretty heavy. Like it's, you need a bit of a break every now and then. So do you reckon the, um, the format, the, the three part EP release is part of the pandemic or is that's a on purpose artistic decision? I think it's on purpose. I, they've apparently been writing since the release of brighter wounds at the beginning of 2018. And so I think it was yeah intentional. And I was thinking about how it helps you to draw out the experience of an album, because sometimes whenever an album comes out, 
it's like lots of expectation drop and then kind of it peters off very quickly. But this helps yeah. keep people's focus for longer because the next one's coming out in December. And so by then you kind of have like listened to this a bunch of times, forgotten about it, and then you go again into <laughs> into the depths. <laughs> so I don't know. I like it. I like it as a concept. A progressive release. Yeah, it's interesting. Hmm. I don't know many other bands who do that. I mean, there are. Yeah. But. I can think of, like, the example that comes to my mind is Kanye West released an album and then re-released it with a different mix and different songs on it because he didn't like the original version as much. But that's not quite the same thing. I had that like, happen like, recently <laughs> to another album. Um, uh, so This Will Destroy You released one of their, like, rarities EPs and I downloaded it and listened to it. And then the next time I listened to it, I streamed it on Bandcamp and there were different songs. I was like, <laughs> And I did, looked at the copy I downloaded onto my computer and I'm like, there were different songs. Why didn't they change them? I don't know what happened. Digital there. media, man. Yeah. Digital media. Weird. 1984, the past. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, cool. I feel like my review is a little bit scattered. Um, to sum it up, I think that I think that this album isn't, so far, you know, one third of the way through, I don't feel it's as strong as Bones or Brighter Wounds. But by the end, I, my opinion might have changed because I feel like the scope of those two previous albums was just so massive. And the genres that they go through and the, you know, just the emotional journey is so incredible. Um I felt like tomorrow's was so short. Like, to be honest, it. I listened to it the whole way through. It just clocks in in half an hour and I immediately pressed play again because <laughs> I felt <laughs> like I wasn't done and I wanted no, to hear it all again. That's so, the best feeling for me. You're like, I want to listen to this immediately again. Afterwards. Yeah, I, I did, uh, straight away I was like, boom, track one, go. I need to hear <laughs> this again. And, um, yeah, can I just encourage listeners, if you do want to check this out, just try and give it space and time. Because Sunlux doesn't work very well if you're just trying to get an audio grab or like 30 seconds. You kind of have to give at least a whole EP a go or something like that. It's just you have to get the big, the big narrative over them. Speaking of, uh, <laughs> speaking of concept albums, there you go. So anyway, yeah. I feel like a bit of a disjointed thing. I was relying upon my own knowledge to kind of see me through, but hopefully it's not too scattered. <laughs> Mm. anyway yeah there you go should we move on to uh homework homework time all right uh so for uh, this time i gave uh asher the rise and fall of ziggy stardust and the spiders from mars you have to say the full title um even though uh, they shortened it to ziggy (laughs) stardust i know (laughs) They do. Um, I'm by David Bowie. This is one of my all-time favorites, especially of like the 70s, and probably one of the best concept albums ever made, in my opinion. Um, mm, that's a big call. It has, a, it has a dual concept going behind it, and it interlaces them both very well. Mm. Um, we can talk about that a bit later, what they are, but um, I'm a big fan of this album. It's not perfect. Some songs are a little bit meh on it, but overall, I think it's brilliant and is often seen as one of the high points of Bowie's career, hmm. or at least cool. in the glam era, as they call it. What did you think about Ziggy Stardust, sir? Well, I've given, I've tried to give this quite a few listens because I feel like I found it really hard to catch that concept. Um, <laughs> I found it just hard to dig through the lyrics to find not only the surface narrative of, you know, Ziggy coming from space or whatever. Um, I was reading the Wikipedia article last night. Did he come from space to like save the earth from something that's happening in is yeah. it five years time? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got that from the lyrics at first. I was like, oh, okay. And I like songs that connect to each other. I would argue that songs like I prefer um, concept albums like Andy Shelf's The Party a little bit more because um, it felt a little bit more, you know, easy to get into the narrative. Um, mm. But I really like concept albums. So 
you know, I was really excited for this one. So unfortunately, I'm not a huge glam rock fan. Um, I It doesn't really do much for me. Um, but I did like a lot of the songs on this album. And I did like the sound and the songwriting. Like it kept coming to mind, you know, and I haven't listened to stuff like this in a while. Anyway, um, I, I'll go through them track by track or a few tracks that stood out. So five years, I really loved that. I loved the 6-8 drum intro. I loved a lot of the ways he started his songs, both yeah. that and um, the next track. Um, is it Soul Love? Mm-hmm. I'm just checking. Both of those had really nice introductions. It just felt very uh, appropriate, very good, like the right kind of way to introduce these concepts. Um, I loved all the random lyrics, you know, all the fat, skinny people, all the like, you know, um, my brain was like a warehouse kind of thing. It's just really mm. random and unusual kind of, um, I like his voice. I like the way it's he very, sings. It's very creative lyrically and trying to get all ideas across. Mm, yeah. Um, the instrumentation was beautiful. Things like the auto harp and, and the strings and, and all the production. I mean, you know, it was evidently recorded very well and a lot of attention to detail. Mm. Um, interestingly, Soul Love, um, I heard, I, I feel like Will Wiesenfield got a bit of his sound from <laughs> this song. Do you, I don't know how to describe it, but anyway, his vocal sound just sounded a little bit reminiscent of things I'd heard later on. The groove is good. The odd bars were cool. The I didn't really love the saxophone. Like I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of that kind of sound. You'll have, um, have to forgive him because Bowie was a, is a saxophone player. When oh okay yeah before he was a singer. Yeah. I, so by and saying I do love the production and the strings and stuff. Sometimes it's overproduced. Like that feeling where you know, we're making an album, we must pull out all the stops and bring in every yeah. possible instrument we can. Like I would have loved a song on this album, which was just him and an acoustic, just to kind of hear his songwriting. Like even the last song, um, which apparently is his, like his demise, right? The Rock and Roll Suicide. Mm. Like I've, I would have felt like it had been cool to kind of have a down song somewhere along here with with that was a little bit more acoustic, but maybe it just wasn't the right kind of sound for this album. Um, so the, the hits are really great. Like Starman is fantastic. You know, I, it's nice to hear it in context of this narrative and, and not just as a solo song because yeah, it gets pulled out as like, yeah. Um, I love, I think we should bring back the term cat, um, you know, like being, (laughs) Like some cats were hanging out at the bar. Like I think I think we should bring that back. Um, gosh, he is influenced by the Beatles, right? Like it's just you can hear it all over. I just I mean, this is 1972. The Beatles have only broken up for two years at this point. Like it's real. Yeah. And and Bo would go on to become friends with John Lennon and actually write songs with him in the mm. late seventies, early eighties. I don't say that's a bad thing. I really like the Beatles, though they have grown on me as well in the same way that I can imagine David Bowie would. Um, Like when I first started listening to the Beatles, I think it was you who started me properly listening to the Beatles. Um, Look, my parents have been playing the Beatles all through my childhood, so it's not like I'd never heard them before, but you were like, no, you actually have to hear them for yourself. And so I think you bought me Sgt. Pepper's or I bought Sgt. Pepper's at your recommendation and so i really i got into that sound and i like it the 70s changes on the 60s sound i'm not always in love with um Mm. like guitar guitar solos like you know bore me a bit so i'm not i'm not really wowed by them (laughs) but the title track is great i really love the chord progression in that um yeah, so the, some of the kind of main singles from this album I really enjoyed. Um, a few just kind of passed me over a bit. Mm. Um, it Ain't Easy was cool, but it's it's maybe that, just a that, genre I'm not super in love with. That's one of the main songs. ones for me as well. Okay. Uh, yeah. It Ain't Easy. Yeah. So I must confess, 
I went and listened to a bit of Black Star as well um, while I was listening to this. So different. And I really liked it. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I like kind of, I mean, so this is the second time I've brought my mum in this podcast so far um, or in this episode. I was chatting with her last night. I was like, look, I just kind of prefer David Bowie's newer stuff. She's like, you have to understand that like Ziggy Stardust was mind-blowingly experimental and different Mm -hmm. at the time. And I was like, yep, fair call. Like I'm looking through the lens of going, it sounds a lot like this and it sounds a lot like that and not really experiencing it in the same way that I experienced Black Star when I first heard some of the tracks. I was like, oh, my goodness, I love these sounds, like the harmonies, the weird changes from section to section in the same way that, like, you know, my daughter will probably in – 30 years time be like, oh, Black Star was so boring, you know, compared to our whatever. Yeah. You got to remember that the main musical quality of David Bowie is genre pushing. Um, yeah. So like the song, um, I have it in note here, Hang On To Yourself. It's like the fourth last song on the album. Um, mm. It's a, probably the clearest example of what I would call proto-punk ever recorded, or at least that okay. I can find. Um, this is cause this is from 1972 and yep. like the big punk explosion is in 77, five years later. And some right. bands are around like the saints in Australia are making music in like 76 and the sex pistols. But this is like, this is before all of that. And he's just kind of doing stuff and it's mm. always ahead of the curve a little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and I can really appreciate that cognitively. Um, I, I know, I just think that all, sometimes my ears don't always appreciate it. Yeah. It's, and yeah. Like, that's understandable. Yeah. So I don't, I, I tried to give this as much attention as I could within the couple of weeks since he gave it, gave it to me. And I'm not sure that I'll always go back to it and go, oh, I feel like listening to this Bowie album. I would go to, I'd go to Black Star because I mean, I'm more interested in it um, <laughs> because it's a little bit different. And also, um, I don't listen to a lot of David Bowie, so I don't, I don't know where I'm going that, with that sentence. That's a shame. The, uh, I, I know. I will get more into him. I, you, you'll probably assign me another one of his albums later on, and that's fine when we get to double-upping artists, and that's cool. Um, so what your mom is saying about this album is kind of right, actually. So the, the, the big, the on-the-surface context for the concept is obviously the, the alien guy coming down to save the planet. And ultimately failing because he gets distracted like immediately by things like love and fun and like mm. pianos and glittery costumes. Mm. Um, that's on the surface, but actually this album conceptually is about Bowie trying to deal with his own fame. Um, mm. So he's, he started to get some success with the album before this one. And he's trying to kind of, uh, put together like he wants to wants to m- come and show people um what he has to say artistically but he's aware that it might freak people out and um, hmm. there's this whole era of like glam rock and like t-rex lots of glitter and big hair and people are kind of put off by it so bowie went to tour america with this album and uh he was like protested against and they closed down a bunch of um his gigs and like burned stuff in front of him that kind of stuff i read this they on wikipedia yeah yeah they were they're put off by like he's wearing dresses and performing and makeup and people aren't quite ready for that because all all this pantomime and drama that goes behind his music mm. um he actually in one of your comments earlier he went to la the hollywood bowl i think and was going to perform there and they like closed the gig down and maybe like a handful of people showed up like 20, 30 people showed up. And so instead of playing his big concert, he got everyone on the stage and he sat down and he played a a acoustic gig to those people just in front of them. My goodness. Yeah. And that's, that's like a story of legends, right? That's something up there. Yeah. Um, But I, I, I love the, how both concepts of this album kind of work together in my opinion from beginning to end and the the tie-in with the um 
the last song on the album as like the persona is dying. It's actually like Bowie, the performer is like yelling at his audience, like give me your hands. Cause you're wonderful. Cause he wants to like help people like join him on this like musical journey. I think it's quite, I think it's quite uh, artistically interesting mm. as an end. Mm. Yeah. I get that. There's a lot going on in the world of Bowie. <laughs> I, I tried to, I've, I've seen him in so many films too. I'm pretty sure I've seen him in a bunch of films and I feel like his, his performative nature kind of spans a lot of spheres and that he has a yes. lot to say. Um, so I, I think I'll keep digging into his work because I feel like a bit of a noob when it comes to understanding the lore of, um, of David Bowie. But um, it was a good intro into that world because I've heard about Ziggy Stardust but never really delved into it. So yes. Th- this and the album previews are probably, I would say, are the most approachable of his records, at least initially. Mm. Um, this is this is definitely the album that I got started off of in terms of like picking apart. And some things in Bowie's catalog aren't for everybody. I'm not a huge fan of his um, 80s stuff. I'm not a huge mm-hmm. fan of the 80s in general. And his stuff is pretty esoteric in that decade. <laughs> That's what I'll say. <laughs> sure. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. There you go. Nice. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> Pleasure. No, it's good. It's good. It's always good to kind of um, keep. That's the goal of this podcast, right? To keep listening to new things. Yeah. Um, and speaking of new things, um, I gave Josh a bit of an interesting mm-hmm. album this week. Um, so I gave him the first album, which I really fell in love with, by an artist named My Brightest Diamond. So this album is called um, All Things Will Unwind, is it? hmm Yep. And I just couldn't remember if it was Things Will Unwind or All Things Will Unwind. So yeah. this is uh, a very interesting album because it was intentionally made with a small ensemble with um, – teamed up with the, uh, a string group called Y Music, who have also worked with a lot of other artists, um, such as I'm pretty sure The National and Bonnie Ver and that sort of thing. Uh, and then she intentionally made it using only kind of like small instruments, such as auto harps and guitars and stuff, yeah. rather than bigger sounds. So yeah. tell me what you think. Uh, yeah, I... <laughs> It's interesting. We we were talking a little bit about this online. I am not sure which is more colorful of an album, this or Ziggy Stardust. It's quite um, bombastic, a record, I guess you could say. Mm, yeah. Um, and it's, again, hard to genrefy this album because there's lots of little pieces making a whole, I found. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I would get elements of like 40s guitar jazz guitar um you know strings and woodwinds making big pieces together and of course the very proactive singing from the lead singer um i'm i'm curious as to what elements of this album or the music for this band is actually like the band making it cuz so much of this album is the the string the 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 sextet the Y music sextet like they're they're doing a lot of work in terms of like mm. the actual sound of the album. Um, well, it's not really a uh, band. It's always been Sharon Nova um, as yeah. the main musician, and she calls in whoever. Yeah. So I mean, this this record's all over the place, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's pretty nuts. I know it's pretty played out to compare artists, but this reminded me a lot of early Bjork or Bjork music. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of like that, that like dance electronica like vibe, but done analog um, with like sprinkles of jazz and then very active vocals behind it, especially the midsection, like. Um, escape routes or be brave and there's a rat like the kind of dynamic yeah. use of voice it's very 
um, Bjork first album, which I'm not a I'm not a huge Bjork aficionado, but even it's that was also enough to quiet. Shh, shh, yeah, yeah, that one, like, yeah, like just that album. It's a, uh, um, but it's it's a lot of dynamic musical coloring. Um, there's a lot of you know, I, I like the idea of like ensemble classical instruments, um, being craftily used to make like modern music, um. I probably uh, could use a little, um, maybe a little less of the songs in this album. I feel like it's a little big, or There's at least some of them kind of drag. Yeah, they kind of drag a bit for me in the middle. Um, so some of the songs like are a break in the action. This is kind of the opposite of what you're saying about Bowie. <laughs> I feel like like one or two of the songs in the middle you get are like really slow and are like just a vocals and a flute. And I'm like, okay, this is like, I'm going to sleep now. And she does not brave song, the war is probably more of an later album, later <laughs> part of the album song. Yeah. I, I mean, I love the, the last track on the album. Um, mm, yeah. I have never loved someone or something like that. Yeah. It's about um, her son. It, <laughs> it reminded me probably too much of, the last track off of Kid A, um, motion picture soundtrack, but okay, that's me making me making organ ties in my head. It's um, <laughs> I, yeah, it's very beautiful, and obviously the like the main quality of this album is the singing. Um, mm. yeah, I'm like I'm not a I'm not like a technical aficionado on singing performance, but um, her vocals are like clear, um, very um, tricky in some parts. And she, um, it's just a really impressive performance, frankly, uh, vocally. Well, she's an operatic uh, singer to rock musician. So the combo of those two things is very fascinating. (laughs) Yeah, so I'd, I mean, I enjoyed this for the most part, um, mm-hmm. probably like a six or a seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would have been a bit stronger if you take out one or two of those slow tracks in the middle. Um, and maybe, I don't know, <laughs> like, I, I like, like the rat song, but it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's kind of. So the thing you have to understand. Kind of cartoony. About, yeah. The thing you have to understand about Shara, uh, so her name used to be Sharon Worden. It's now Sharon Nova. And anyway, yeah. my brother's diamond. She's quite political in the same way that Sun Lux is. And so I think her and her husband moved to Detroit intentionally to kind of start making communities and trying to rebuild a bit of like the broken communities in that area, in wherever they lived. And so a lot yeah. of her songs, you know, um, uh, yeah, high, low, middle is kind of very much about <laughs> class, you know, and um, yeah, what was it? Um, you know, when you're privileged, you don't even know you're privileged. When you're not, you know, when you're happy, you don't even know you're happy. When you're not, you know, righteous, heathen, blinded and seeing you're next, you're before, you're pompous, you're poor, you're hungry, yet strangely, you're working like crazy, selling, buying, laughing and crying. And it's like, very biting. And I love this album because of these really interesting lyrics. And even on um, Be Brave, she speaks to herself. Um, mm. So it's uh, Shara, now get to work. Kind of be brave, do you want be, be ye changed or be you undone? And like, so I'm a slave, I'm under house arrest, I'm the beater, I'm beating for less than being punk and feeling anger swell. And so I don maybe to dress and finger bells. And um, she's very much embodying and trying to kind of take on all these things which are going on. Um, you can kind of tell the kind of music I enjoy um, <laughs> from Sun Lux and, and My Brightest Diamond. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, that are kind of people who are not really uh, satisfied to take it lying down, I suppose. Um and this album is probably her best album. I wouldn't recommend listening to her later stuff. I've just found it a little bit um, boring instrumentally. She's gone quite electronic and lost a lot of 
um, a lot of these really interesting orchestral sounds um, because yeah. she's a really good orchestrator herself. Like she's written parts and she's done all the orchestration in Sibelius or whatever. Like she's kind of done the work there. And I feel like this is the pinnacle of her her kind of, um, you know, pulling together all these different elements of her voice and instrumentation and songwriting. So um, yeah. I'm glad you find it interesting. Um, I should just comment on a side note. Um, I've uh, The other reason I found Sunlux was through her because he's done a oh. remix of one of her songs and Ian, their drummer, has also played on one of her songs um, on a later EP. And so there's been a little bit of like movement within those circles and so i really yeah. enjoyed yeah the combos of those two that makes sense i i there's a lot of big concerts in this album and i feel like there's the potential for those to to not be pulled off but for the most part they succeed i think in this context yeah yeah sometimes it's a little bit too experimental to kind of really make a bit of sense but <laughs> yeah. um yeah, some of them just uh I think there's I think Ding Dang just doesn't grab me. Um there's a few that kind of just wash over me and I go, "Oh, that's fine." Mm. <laughs> but um mm. uh the one one thing I do want to mention is did you like the song Everything is in Line? That's the first one, right? Uh no, it's the, actually the second last track. Is this the one that you thought Sufjan was on because you were like, uh, "Oh, there's Yes. That is the one I thought Sufjan was on. <laughs> yeah. So it's not Sufjan. It's an artist named DM Stith. And DM Stith is probably another artist I will give you one day. Um, I, so I won't say too much more about him. But his his voice is very iconic. Um, kind of this gravelly old man voice. And apparently they wrote this song um, via distance, via email, basically back and forth writing verses. Huh. But it's not like a it's not like a duet, you know, Bonnie Ver and Taylor Swift style. The, <laughs> Stop the, bringing that up. <laughs> the verses aren't even equal, and they don't even follow a similar melody. Like, so at first you think it's going to be like one sings one line, one sings the next line, but then one will go on too long and suddenly change, you know, rhythm and then change totally change it. So it's like a duet, but not a very easy to write duet um and it's probably one of my favorite kind of song duets i've ever heard so give that listeners give that particular one a listen i might just strong arm josh to put that in the playlist too but <laughs> it, i mean it, you can you can do whatever you like <laughs> it wasn't one of my favorites on the album i'll say that put it in at the end then go yeah that's ash's recommendation I, the uh, the melody of i don't know what you call it like those um, those like finger harps. I don't know what they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, like thumb pianos. Thumb pianos. That's right. Thumb, but that's like, yeah. Like yeah, okay, I guess. Sure. Anyway, for the most part, I enjoyed it. I'm I'm glad that you got it a little bit because it is a pretty weird album to start with. So <laughs> I'll I'll admit that it's fine. Oh, I do have to just say I love the song we added it up, the opening track, which has the like, um kind of almost punny lyrics where, you know, it's like, um, if I was cat, you were a dog. If, uh, if I was tied up, you were a hog. If I was flat, you were a ball. If I was charged and you were cash, if it was, um, if it was totes, you were the mash. If I was loud, then you were shh. And she's got a lot of like these really interesting vocal things. Like you said, it's just kind of drama in it. So mm. maybe we both picked each other albums with interesting kind of uh you know dramatical undertones in them so it's been a it's been a big a big week for yeah for drama all right i feel like i have gone on too long about some albums so should we head into honorable mentions honorable mentions cool um all right so first for mine um, as part of a sub pop label collection, um, Father John Misty has released two new songs. Mm. 
um, small two song EP on Bandcamp, and um, it's the first new music he's written since his last album. Um, first new songs that he's written his last album. So his last album was quite uh, manic, and I don't know you. I don't know how you classify it. Um, basically, it was it was quite a to do his last album in terms of <laughs> musically, and this is very much not in that direction. Um, it's quite calmed down. The pair of songs are quite beautiful and they're actually quite Beatlesque in my head. At least the first one is I've been really enjoying, um, the first song of the EP. It's a lovely, um, kind of acoustic, uh, guitar song, a lot more like older father John Misty. And I've been enjoying that. Hmm. Um, second. Okay. This is a band I haven't actually talked to you about before. But I want to recommend um, in general, this is a band called Pup um, out of Toronto. Um, they are a pop punk, pop punk band from Toronto, and they are fantastic. Hmm. Uh, Sounds good. We can cut this out if you don't want to talk about it. But you talked a little bit about Blink-182 during the week to me. <laughs> don't um, worry, I'm going to mention them. It's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, so... Pup is what Blink-182 is, only good. Um, <laughs> uh, they have fantastic music videos. Their 2019 album, uh, Morbid Stuff, is absolutely stellar. Uh, like, honestly, it puts such a smile on my face listening to that record. Um, but they uh, released a, I don't know if you call it a B-side or a new single on their band camp called Anaphylaxis. Um, and it's just such like a, such a hectic, like punk energy. And I love it to pieces. Hmm. Um, I should talk about pup more cause they're one of those Canadian bands that I really, really appreciate existing and they make fantastic music and you should listen to them. Well, give me an album. Everybody should, like you should yeah, give me an album. Uh, uh, as a it's on the list. Too many things to give you. Um, <laughs> I know. anyway, I'll put, pu- I'll put pup in the, uh, Spotify playlist this this week and it'll be great. Um, all right, last, last. Um, so this week has been two big album releases that I've been looking forward to. One was the Bright Eyes, which we'll talk about a different week, mm. and then also the Killers released an album. Mm. Um, but that's not a name you've heard in a long time, I'm sure. I saw your tweet about like millennials are having some sort of weird flashback. <laughs> Yeah, so this this year it's been a Strokes album, a Killers album, and a Bright Eyes album. So it's you know peak early two thousands. But yep. um, this is probably maybe their strongest album since Samstown I've listened to, mm-hmm. um, or at least it has some of their best songs since that album came out. That's the one with the woman on the front in front of the trailer. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's not my fave. But it's very very clean. Okay. And I sometimes wish that the killers were a little grittier or um someone in their production house would be like, "Okay, guys, you can like tone down the perfectionism a little bit and have some more kind of rawness to your music." So this is like the most turbo synth pop rock you've ever heard in your life. And these songs are like unashamedly just like full keyboards, full flashing lights the whole way through. But unlike their other couple last couple albums, I think these are actually stronger songs to do that with. So I've been enjoying, surprisingly, enjoying listening to a Killers album in 2020. Um, It's it's been all right. Cool. Well, that's nice. Yeah. How about yourself, sir? Um. So I've been I I was listening to when I've been driving. I I found it at uh, for a couple of bucks. um, Eraser by Tom York. Um, now okay. this is, this is an old solo album of his that I had listened to a while ago, but I gave it a full like proper listen. Hmm? 2011? What is it? Yeah, I don't know. About? You know me. I love digging up the past. Um, it, as you'll see in just a moment too. Um, so 2000, <laughs> yeah, this one, Tom York's, it's a good album. I, I listened to a bit of Amina and I think I like it a bit better than, I think I like Eraser a bit better than Amina. Um, really? There's something about the first half of the album that just feels, mm, I don't know. The opening track is brilliant. It, I really like it, but I need to give Amina a bit more of a, 
proper listen. I just think it, Eraser grabbed me more. Um, so anyway, but having said that, I will, I'll give Amina a probable listen, but I've been listening to a bit of solo Tom York. It's cool. He's great. Um, new Sufjan single, The Time Is Drawing Nigh for the release of The Ascension. And he put out a new song um, called Video Game um, and it features uh, um, a young dancer and it's kind of like a very critical look at... Um, social media and not wanting to play the game of kind of self-promotion, which is quite interesting. Um, it's as uh, someone mentioned, I was chatting to that the, the three singles that have come out, all the three tracks are very different from each other. So you have America, the 12 and a half minute, whatever the my Niche, which is also long. Uh, and then you have video game, which is like a couple of minutes. And so, so far the, the introduction of this album has been quite unusual, but I'm looking forward to hearing all of it next month and you will hear more about it then. So This is going to be like the musical version of Ulysses, I feel like. <laughs> well, what do you mean by that? I don't know enough about well, Greek mythology. It's the, sorry, as in the, the James Earl Joyce book, which is like historically ridiculous and made on purpose to be hard to read. I don't think that Sufjan's going for hard to, to listen to or understand. He's just in this like he's just going for the post-apocalyptic sort of thing right you know it's like really really intense lyrical stuff analysis of culture he's always done this like yeah it's not not anything new but maybe it is like Ulysses I need to read it to know that no I wouldn't (laughs) recommend it okay um so and as you mentioned for some strange reason (laughs) blink 182 have been creeping into my peripherals um for the past two weeks it was a real struggle to like push them out and like (laughs) give space to ziggy stardust and and (laughs) so i know i know they're quite trash but this i would i will accept this as one of my vices i don't know why (laughs) But, like, yeah, I just started listening to them again. So I haven't listened to Blink-182 probably since I was in high school, um, like most people our age. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like 90 of, 95% of their lyrics are trash. Like, they're absolutely ridiculous. But there's something interesting. I've been trying to analyse their sound. And maybe you're right in that, like, um, Pup is, like, them but good. And I think that probably the reason I've listened to them is probably nostalgia. And and they're like, I'll find something better and just enjoy that too. I do enjoy their harmonies though. Like yes. they sing good harmonies and Travis is an amazing drummer. I think I was just marvelling at his drumming parts. <laughs> and I, I mean, that's always been true. Yeah. I haven't listened. I was only listening to basically their two big albums, which is Anima and uh, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket and yeah. like – you know, like I said, they're mostly trash, but there's like a couple of nice sounds on there. I was like, okay, cool. I don't know why they, I don't know why they came back, but there you go. Anyway, confessions. No, I think, I think that, um, much like early green day that they have a very, uh, what's the word? Um, a very appealing take on melody Mm. and they kind of, um, like smash them into these like nice bite-sized songs, which are really um, actually quite like quite well-written, not like the most complicated or the most, you know, educated things ever, but you listen to them and you're like, Oh, this sounds nice. Hmm. This is like, you know, um, a nice hit of like well-written melody. And they're kind of really great for that kind of thing. I think that's why they're so listenable. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, and like even their guitar riffs, like you say, as simple as they are. Two of my favorite songs are probably Anthem Part Two, <laughs> and like I have a secret cover of Stay Together for the Kids that I've tried to arrange for like acoustic guitar. So I like those two songs. Anyway, maybe we'll come out one day. <laughs> I remember trying to learn how to play Anthem Part Two in the drums with a mate of mine oh. in high school. You can't, the verse, you think it's simple and then you hear like the ride hits it's so, and it's so complicated. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Anyway. Yeah. 
So there's there's a there's a tutorial drum video that exists that I will show you. I show them. No, so. you've shown me. I know this one. <laughs> yeah, it came to my mind, and I was like, yes, I remember how hard this is. So, yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. Evidently we've had this conversation before. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. All right. Um <sighs> my last thing last thing is that Sylvanesso, um, who came out of the blue, some some dancey female artist from the States has um yeah, got a new single out, which I'll put in the playlist. And I quite like it. And so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that release too. Lots of stuff happening in September. All right, thank you for listening to um, me blab on extra long on episode 11 of what we're listening to. Uh, I hope you're enjoying everything and please drop us some comments on Twitter or Instagram, Facebook or on our podcasts, either on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to them if you can. Um, Yeah, let us know if you've got something interesting you want us to hear too. We're always open to recommendations and so... Yeah. Um, Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. See you, buddy.